everything is just so good around here. So this month, we're talking about curiosity as a superpower. And last week, we talked about being passionately curious and how it just it fills life with so much color and grandeur. And as spiritual beings, we know that we grow and we evolve and we learn and we understand more about ourselves and about the universe and about our place in it by being passionately curious. We discover these spiritual laws and how best to use them to our ability, at the level of consciousness we find ourselves. And then as we grow our consciousness greater, we are able to use these laws to a greater degree and a greater level. We manifest more and more of the life we desire by, by living, allowing spirit to live through us and change the conditions around us. So, so today, I want to look at the superpower part of the theme, right? Curiosity is a superpower. So let's look at the superpower part. So like, look up in the sky, right? <laughs> we all remember that phrase, look up in the sky. It's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's super you. <laughs> it is super you. You have the superpowers. We're not waiting for anybody. There's nobody's going to come riding in on a big white horse with a lance and a sword and save us, right? We are the answer. We are the saviors in our own lives. Ernest Holmes told us we are the embodiment of spirit itself. And so we are the eyes and the ears of God. We are the only place spirit shows up in form and does the work. We're it. We're our own answer. And we all have superpowers. We all have superpowers, and they're different for each one of us, right? We, we have our own superpowers. Ernest Hemingway, ha, you probably thought I was going to say Ernest Holmes, right? Ha, ha. Ernest Hemingway wrote, the world breaks everyone, and afterward, many are stronger at the broken places. The world breaks everyone, and many are stronger at the broken places. I think that's rather a bleak opinion of life. I don't know that I ascribe to that, but... There is some accuracy in it, isn't there? I know from a biophysical level, that is absolutely true. From a biochemical level, when we break a bone, and as it mends, calcium builds around the area, mending the wound, and as a result of this mending process, the bone is much thicker around the break for quite some time. And then, a little by little, the body will begin to reabsorb the extra calcium and the bone will look like it does. But in the beginning, yes, it is much stronger at the broken place because that's the way we mend. Now, I'm not assuming that's what Hemingway was referring to. I'm sure he was referring to it figuratively, that we get stronger in our broken places, that those breaks create our superpowers. I prefer to to use the wounds that I've experienced first by healing them consciously through the principles of science of mind. We get to heal. Ernest Holmes said healing is our birthright. So we get to heal our wounds and then we use them as our superpower. We wind up healing others. We wind up healing the world that perhaps broke us in the beginning. We wind up being the answer for other people who are healing from similar wounds, don't we? We wind up being the light for other people who have gone through perhaps what we've gone through. Whether our wounds were physical or emotional or psychic, whatever, we know we can heal them. 
This philosophy has told us that we get to heal and we, and we get to reveal the wholeness that is there all along. And that wholeness really becomes our superpower. And then we walk out of the darkness. And then we assist others in walking out of their own darkness. Ernest Holmes gave a talk on November 25th, 1951, by the way. It says, you get what you give. He said, so it is with all the gifts of life that we possess. They too are here to be used. But too often we wait for some great day to arrive or some big event to transpire that we may become the heroic heroes in the drama of life. And just as surely as we delay the day of our receiving because we have refused to give out such gifts that we already possess. So look up in the sky. It's you. You are that superhero. You have healed, I'm sure, many, many things along your life's path right now. And then you are the light for others who are struggling with those same things. And you know, it's very interesting in, um, um, uh, what's her name? <laughs> Why can't I remember? Oh, Emma. Emma Curtis Hopkins, in her books, uh, Scientific Christian Mental Practice, and then High Mysticism, and then again in Resume, she gives these 12 lessons over and over, and she says them in different ways. But in Resume, one of the things she says when con contemplating our concerns or our challenges or our problems or whatever in life, what is the first thing she says? Look up. Look up. And, and not look up to a God outside of ourselves, not to look up to some God in the sky, some, you know, the old guy, long white beard who smites some and blesses others depending on his mood. Not that. <laughs> but to look up is to see the higher consciousness in your own mind, right? We're not looking for a hero or a shiro. We're not looking for someone outside of ourselves. We're not looking for some God in the sky to come down and, and save us. But we are looking to our own higher thought. When we look up, we are looking to access the highest consciousness within ourselves. When we look out, we're just looking at the condition, right? We're just looking at the world around us. We're just looking at the condition. And when we're looking down, like the, like the quote this morning, right? We can't see the rainbows if we're looking down. If we're looking down, we're still immersed in the problem. So Emma said, first thing you do is you look up, and not a gigantic look up. You know, it's like not the rolling your eyes look like, you know, you always see pictures of Jesus doing that, don't you? He's always like rolling his eyes like, they still haven't gotten it. But anyway, <laughs> it's true. You, you know, he's like, but I'm talking about a, a 45 degree angle, just a nice 45 degree angle, like you're looking at where the wall meets the ceiling, right there. And what we're doing is we're, we're accessing the highest consciousness in our minds. So we look up first. In chapter one of Emma Curtis Hopkins' resume, she writes about looking up. She says, engage the absolute. That's what we're doing. We are engaging the absolute. And this step, this first step, it, according to Emma, is called, this is repentance. And it comes to her... Um, from the Bible, she was a great quoter of the Bible, but, but the Greek interpretation of the word repentance meant look again, look again. And so that's why she called this step repentance. And actually in uh, Ernest Holmes' Life and Times, 
Fenwick wrote, Mrs. Hopkins taught Ernest that the first step in developing the consciousness of a mystic was turning the attention away from all things, events, and persons, and toward the deity ever beholding us. She would ask him, where is your vision? <laughs> I love that. Anyway. To her, repentance did not mean suffering. She used the word in its original meaning, seeking again. The vision turns toward perfection, and purity invites it in. So the first thing we do when faced with a challenge is look up. We're superheroes. We look up. That 45 degrees, it expands our thought, it broadens, it broadens our field of possibilities in our own mind, no place else, but in our own mind. And you know when you're contemplating a problem and you're like kind of doing this, you know, just do that, do that, give it a try, test it out, prove the principles. It expands our thought, it broadens our field of possibilities and emotions. Looking up turns us from conditions to cause. That's all it does, is it raises our point of view. The second thing we do when we look to spirit, error dissolves. That's what the whole thing is. That's what the whole practice is, moving from the lower thought to the higher thought. Error, the condition, the, the, the challenge, dissolves. This step, this second step, Emma called remission. The dissolving grace. This is when the condition dissolves in our own mind. When we look to truth, error dissolves. Emma says, shout liberty, free grace, remission, the unburdening as we continue to look upward. And the third thing to speed the process along is doing your forgiveness work, right? It is an integral part of our healing. And you know that's where you start. Right? You start with forgiveness work to heal your own wounds. We all start there. But it also develops your superpower. And Emma had a different take on the forgiveness process itself. She said, it's not, you know, letting somebody off the hook or like, fine, yeah, okay, great, but I'm never going to have coffee with them again. Emma's, Emma's idea of forgiveness was giving for, is surrender. You are giving something up for something else. Forgiving was giving up your resentments, giving up your anger for something else, for the peace of God. We give up what has kept us from forgiving for peace of mind, for peace of heart, for the cosmic consciousness that we attain by going through these processes. And the fourth thing on our way to developing that cosmic consciousness of the mystic is to build our faith. You do it, you do it again, you do it again, you do it again, you do it over and over again. Faith is our confidence to command the law. Right, so you know, I mean, I know practitioners, you know this. When you go into your affirmative prayer and step one is recognition, step two is unification, you get to realization and you know by the time you get to realization you are speaking the I am. This is the faith to command the law. But you have to get there through this step, through these processes. Faith is the, the ability, the confidence to command the law. And it is our job to build our faith. It is God's job to prove that faith. Right? What we need to do is know. We need to know. And the fifth thing, 
The fifth thing is to allow that faith to do the works through you. To remember, you're not doing anything. (laughs) That spirit is doing it through you. Spirit is doing all the work. And because you have surrendered to this life, to this power and presence greater than you are, you are the superhero. You are the superhero. You're not trying to make anything happen. You're making things welcome. You're making spirit welcome in your life. And it does the work through you and as you. You have the superpowers to heal. Not only yourself, but all those around you. There are licensed practitioners around the room, but every single one of us is a practitioner of the science of mind and spirit. You are all practitioners. You all have the superpowers to heal, not only yourself, but others. Ernest Holmes said, perhaps we have waited for some great occasion, some spectacular event, when the heroic resolve we shall proclaim the kingdom of God. And having waited, nothing has happened. While the days gather themselves into years, and the years die, and hope vanishes, and faith sinks into despair, we have failed to realize that the unplanted seed can never grow. The unused talent can never multiply. Don't leave it unsaid, unspoken, and undone. It is your superpower to do, to move the mountains, to say it is so. We're not waiting for a superhero to save us. There is no one coming. We are the saviors of our own lives. We must heal our own wounds and do the work in order to heal others. We are all practitioners of this philosophy. With or without licenses, we practice. We expand our conscience, consciousness. We do the work. We practice and prove the principles in our own lives. Ernest Holmes said, my word is the word of power. For I know that it is the word of the great God within me. My word shall accomplish and prosper and shall do good unto all who call upon my name. My word is a tower of strength and cannot be denied. It is complete and perfect here and now. My word is the word of God. My dears, that is you. You are that superhero of your own life. And your word is the word of God.